and a very good afternoon to to you um, in Nairobi and across the world. Welcome to this week's edition of Global Digest with myself, Laban Wanambisi, and the usual um, suspects, if I can use that word. Of course, Irene uh, Mwangi, our powerful lady as always, and a familiar voice that is making a comeback um, onto our mics. Of course, it is Miss Noreen Busena, <laughs> the lady behind the, 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 the mixers and everything else. And of course, the man who started this whole conversation around the world, Mr. Davis Ayaga. Karibu nyumbani. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. And, okay. And today, we are also joined by um, one of our colleagues who will be um, contributing or making a contribution in regards to um, the security sector and um, the conversation on foreign and diplomacy diplomacy issues. Um, our colleague, Bruhan Makong. Karibu nduguyangu. Sante. Ah, yeah. So, we start this um, episode on on a note, on a, on a very somber note, um, because we lost um, a colleague of ours, um, Sean Caravillas. For me, he's more, more or less um, a, a mentor, more than a colleague. Uh, to me, he's a friend. He's someone who saw me coming into Capital as an intern. Um, trained me on how to do sports and, and basically how to report for broadcast. And then when he left and then came back um, a few a few a few um, months ago, you he came now to find someone who is um, occupying an editor's seat, which kind of shows that what he did was not in vain in the sense that he kind of mentored someone who could actually handle the pressures of being a broadcast journalist. And for each of my colleagues in this room, um, I'm sure they had something that they would like to remember um, Sean with. And we'll start with Davis. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Uh, though we are starting the show on a very sad note because we lost uh, our very own Sean Cadroviles. And uh, from my sitting position, uh, I got to interact with uh, Sean uh, for uh, f- during the past months when, when, when he made his comeback here at Capital FM. And one thing for sure is that Sean was really an embodiment of journalistic integrity and ethics. Sean was a compassionate and a kind human being. He epitomized all the things that you could mention when it comes to all the good things of this world because really Sean was down to earth. He was he was a person who really he, he inspired all of us in, in, in every aspect of life. He, he was very humble. He exhibited and matched passion for sports. He was an icon. Uh, our former colleague, James Wakabi, said that uh, Sean was a godfather of sports and mm-hmm. I could not agree. Uh, I couldn't agree more. If, if really anything, uh, just like I'd mentioned earlier when I was with uh, Charles Gary, uh, he has taught us to be passionate about everything that we do. We need to give it our best regardless of any position that you occupy in society. So even as we continue to mourn him, yes, uh, one thing is for sure, we will con- we will miss him dearly, uh, but uh, his memories, uh, having interacted with him uh, for, the, for, the, for the period he was here at uh, Capitol, his memories will be forever etched in our hearts and may his soul continue to rest in eternal peace. Okay. Um, Noreen, I'll come back to you in a while uh, because you also had the opportunity to do productions for him and stuff like that. Um, Irene, um, in your in your interactions, or maybe how would you remember Sean? Um, <coughs> I've interacted with with him for only say three months, but in the short time, I think I've learned a lot from him. <coughs> I remember we used to walk in together to the studio um, during the four thirty uh, sports bulletin. And I think with him, he used to be quite professional and quite timely. Mm-hmm. If uh, we are told we need to do um, the highlights at 
he will be in the studio at 4.37 without fail. Mm -hmm. And he will ensure that you will walk with him to the studio, not tell him, I'll find you there, um, uh, just go. I'm penalizing on something. He'll make sure that uh, you walk together to the studio. So um, I remember him as quite um, the passionate, the professional journalist that he was. And even when you interacted with him along the corridors, regardless of whether um, you're within um, his closed circle or not, he used to be quite, um, I would say he was considerate and quite, he would want to know how you're doing um, as an individual. Just say, hi, hi, Irene, how are you doing? Um, how has your week been? Regardless of whether you interacted uh, quite much in the day-to-day -day interaction, so um, I will mourn him as a kind person, very professional, um, and quite understanding. And also, he will, um, when he got back, trying to understand the way we were doing things um, in the newsroom, he would really um, celebrate small progress in terms of, say, putting in a clip or learning on how to use the system, um, the Bali system, which yeah. is the system that we used to put in stories. So he made me um, realize that it is important to celebrate the small, small progress that you make in life. Okay, and now we go to the uh, what Irene is saying about the clips. I remember the first time that he did the bulletin the, we're using Burley without having having uh, someone here to assist him. He came out and he was high-fiving everyone saying, I did it, I did it by myself. <laughs> Noreen? Um, I interacted with Sean not so much, but with the little... With the little that I did talk to him, he used to say hi to me on the corridors. And when we were recording like some things in the production studio, he used to ask me if everything is fine. Does he need to repeat or do it again? He never used to like act like he, you know, he's the professional one. He knows what he's doing. So he was the nicest person. And I actually enjoyed the few moments that I had with him. And uh, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you very much, Irene. Um, Noreen. Uh, sorry, these names that end with uh, with ni in kind of just uh, mix me up. But yes, um, like I like Noreen says, like Noreen says, um, Sean indeed was something like you'd say he is a teacher who didn't um, who didn't make you feel like a student. He made you feel like you are an equal that you could teach him something that he didn't know. Right, and as a conversation would go on, you'd actually realize you're feeding off each other. So I think even as we continue to celebrate his life um, and what he has he has done, not only for capital but also for Kenya and the sporting world, um, all we can say is um, may he rest in eternal peace. And we know and we believe that he is. In 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 a in a in a in a better place, yes. Capital FM. And <coughs> we now come back to today's topic. Um, a cup uh, one year on Wednesday, one year for uh, one year ago will be the first. Um, the first anniversary of President William Ruto's um, inauguration as the fifth president of this um, country. And we, Davis and I and Irene had this conversation whether we should do this show, we should move the show to Wednesday. Uh, but um, everyone has a boss. And our boss, Danny Muni, uh, flatly refused and said the show has to be on a Monday. So now we have this um, interesting um, uh, position whereby we are talking about something. It's like having uh, talking about uh, someone's birthday before their birthday. <laughs> 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 so today we are just going to look at the promises that were made during the campaign period, and we are going to be asking where where are they in where are they right now what are the things that have been done and what are the things that should be done and possibly what are the challenges um as the gen z's would would have it they would go like how it started how it's going 
and possibly Irene would would tell me how it ends. <laughs> and so the place where we start is where everyone knows. The one the one promise that President William Ruto came to power on economy. Economy, economy, economy. And he said he will be he's one of the people who you can trust with Kenya's economy. A deputy president to uh, a deputy president to former president Uhuru Kenyatta, he 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 faulted his um, some of his moves whenever whenever he had the opportunity during public rallies and stuff like that. One year down the line, one of the promises that everyone remembers him for is possibly this one. Na mimi niliwaambia ya kwamba lazima tuteremushe bei ya unga ikuje chini. Hiyo safari ya kupunguza gharama ya unga na gharama ya maisha tayari nimeianzisha. Tayari tumepopatia wakulima wetu mbolea magunia milioni moja na nusu na tunawapatia ingine magunia milioni sita wazalishe chakula ndio chakula ifike hapa ikiwa bei nafuu na bei ya unga tuanze kuiteremusha mimi nataka niwaambie hivi wale walioharibu hii mambo ya unga mpaka ikafika shilingi 230 walikoroga hiyo mambo kwa miaka ine. si ndio si waliharibu kwa miaka ine. munipatie tu mwaka mmoja peke yake nitakuwa nimenyorosha <coughs> come on wednesday itakuko hiyo mwaka mmoja mm-hmm. um, i am a fan of unga ugali so i would know right now it's like around 198 if it is on on sale but the promise was it will go back it will go down to something like 100 bob if you ask the deputy president it has been selling at 130 and everyone every time he mentions that figure people would ask where are you buying your unga from davis I think President William Ruto's first years in office since his inauguration can be best summed as a mixed bag of achievements and challenges just like you've correctly uh, mentioned there. But before we get to really understand why President William Ruto and the whole issue of uh, reducing the price of maize flour is 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 a sticky issue we need to understand why the president vied for office in the first in the first place. The president came into office on a platform of lowering the cost of living because you remember during that period when the Hanshe government that is of former president Uhuru Kenyatta mm-hmm. and uh, Azimio leader Raila Odinga were in government together there was a lot of talk about the need for the issue of lowering the cost of living to be addressed and then deputy president now president was very vocal about uh, this matter that he told his supporters and Kenyans in general that if he gets to be elected which he got to be elected and sworn in subsequently he will lower the cost of living but to date and uh, from the clip that you've just played the president seems to be having a difficult time trying to uh, uh, trying to fulfill this promise uh, never mind the challenges that are coming that 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 uh, that that he's facing but one thing is clear he promised kenyans that he will lower the cost of living but to date he has uh, seemingly not really achieved that but when it comes to his supporters their his supporters will tell you that we need to give him more time to have this delivered his supporters will you know, tell you yes his you know, supporters will tell you that uh, uh, the azimio coalition the opposition crusade was very heavy on the streets hence not really giving the president ample time to deliver on this mandate so his supporters will tell you that because of the mandamanos that we witnessed which was beheaded by azimio leader raila odinga the president but, was really not Davis to 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 put your the supporters on on, on the dock the mandamanos were not taking place in in the chambers if anything the deputy, the deputy president and the president keep on coming out to say that while people the the people who are, are on mandamano were doing their thing the 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 people in the food basket areas were using were getting the fertilizer and even the president has been going around showing off um acres and acres of uh, of farmland that he expects a bumper harvest 
I'm not really trying to defend the president here, but uh, one thing is clear. He's been on track mm-hmm. in, in, in ensuring that he gets to deliver on that mandate because when you look at what he's doing with the fertilizers, he brought the prices of fertilizers down and the, the, the fertilizers go a long way in ensuring that farmers get to have a bumper harvest and that really has a direct impact on, 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 on the whole issue of lowering the cost of living. So... Uh, <coughs> I'm not really here trying to defend the president, but uh, it is it is it, it will be it will be unfair for me to crucify him on this. That no, no, is, no, you're is, not crucifying. No, him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he's you're, he's on track. He's on track, uh, getting to fulfill this agenda of Davis, lowering if, the cost if of If I living. said that I am going to do something at 6:55, I am the one who gave myself that what do you call it that timeline. The the president himself gave himself one year. He said, give me one year, I'll have sorted this mess out. Right? And I think if you ask me, the one of the places that the president probably didn't did for, um, refuse to calculate his his um, his strategy on was the international scene. Um, during his campaigns, he constantly um, dismissed the notion that there was people recovering, there was uh, economies recovering from COVID, there was the issue of economies recovering, uh, or, or what the Ukraine-Russia conflict had done to the world economy. He refused to admit to that, only for him to get into office and in 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 a in a, in a uh, tricky way. The other words I could use, but I won't use them tricky way he would constant now he would be admitting that yes now that i sit on this seat i'm realizing that maybe i i over i misjudged this situation that's fine laban but that's that's why i'm saying the whole issue of uh, the cost of living and lowering the price of maize flour here to be in in, 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 to be specific mm-hmm. can only be resolved by raising agricultural productivity and here the battle is between farmers needing higher incomes and consumers who want low prices. So I think for the president presently he's doing all that he can to, 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 to ensure that uh, Kenyans get to have uh, the, 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 the prices of basic commodities which here you, just like you've mentioned Unga Calm down, not unless now Irene has a different opinion on this matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the promise in terms of lowering the cost of living, and in this case, um, lowering the unga prices, um, it was just a populist promise um, to win the hearts and the minds of the electorate. And I will not crucify President William Ruto to say that he is the first, nor will he be the last to. Um, come out with the, you know such promises because even before months before um, an electioneering month, w- the, the sitting regime will always reduce um, the unga prices because they know it's a commodity that um, touches um, almost all households. And during a president, uh, former president Uhuru Kenyatta's regime, they reduced it to 100 bob. Um, never mind that in some parts of the country they didn't get access to that 100 bob um, unga. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may, um, President William Ruto, once he got into office, he realized that some of these populist promises in terms of lowering the cost of living cannot gu- be quite much achieved given the ex- external and um, internal factors that will affect um, the achievement of those promises. Um, getting into office with um, inheriting a huge debt at that particular time and also having um, the shocks of COVID-19 <coughs> and water view, <coughs> excuse me, affect the country. So to that particular extent, then it would be impossible for him um, to lower the cost of living vis-a-vis the um, promise he made in the plan manifesto. Mm-hmm. But what Kenyans now are not finding, um, uh, are not being comfortable with or they will not forgive him for is the issue of the controversial f- finance bill, which led to an increase of taxes. The ripple effect Before is... Before we, we go to taxation, let us finish the, the, on, the, on this issue of food security. Mm-hmm. One of the things that the president keeps on mentioning and everyone in his government keeps on mentioning is a bumper harvest. Once we get a bumper harvest, mm-hmm. 
I mean, if, in a in a way back when we were still having the mandamanos, he kept referring to bumper harvest. Now, um, if you are from the maize growing areas, they will tell you they have started harvesting. Mm-hmm. Is this another um, <coughs> another ploy, as you've called it? Do is he miscalculating again? Now, um, this particular um, strategy in terms of subsidizing production as a way of um, reducing the cost of living, mm-hmm. it is something that we are now testing with the um, President William Ruto's regime. I don't know whether it is too soon to predict whether um, the much that the government has done <coughs> excuse me, in terms of reducing the cost of production is enough to lower the cost of living. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, given that um, the fertilizers that were given, of course, for um, maize production, with the target being the reduction of unga prices, and the strategies that the government has made in terms of storage and all uh, and 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 water view, will predict whether indeed in months to come, say by the end of this year, given that farmers are expecting bumper harvest in September, by the end of this year, achieving the lowering of cost of commodi- commodities, in this case unga, mm. will be achieved. We might give him a grace period of two months to see whether that can be done, but still, it's a wait and see um, situation. As we wait and see with Irene, let's take a, a short break. And welcome to this week's edition of Global Digest, where we are looking at one year under President William Ruto's um, administration. And we are asking the question, has he met his campaign promises one year down the line? What has he done right? Um, What does he need to do? And we are also looking at what are the possible challenges that he has um, come uh, come up against and how has he handled them. Um, when we went for the break, Irene was telling us that we need to be patient with um, with the president and allow him to allow allow him to live out that promise that he said we are going to have a bumper harvest. But there is one question that should arise. Does a bumper harvest mean that we are going to have food security? Davis. I think I think I think uh, it could be seen as one of the <coughs> ways because a bumper harvest will mean that uh, uh, households in the country will have the opportunity to have uh, either two or three meals in a day. So for the president to really uh, rely on a bumper harvest for in, in his quest to lower the cost of living, mm-hmm. it can be very indicative of that. But. Uh, in the interim, what the president has been very vocal about and he has been really pushing is to is this subsidizing of the fertilizer and ensuring the prices of fertilizers fertilizers can be affordable to every Kenyan farmer who gets to produce uh, different types of uh, meals. So for the president really having served as uh, Kenya's former agriculture minister back then mm-hmm. and when he was at that position he uh, we can uh, with 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 uh, to avoid being contradicted, he really performed well in that docket. So he's 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 very sure of what he's doing. He's uh, he's he's inclined to be very confident that uh, <coughs> the issue of lowering the cost of living, never mind the taxation that uh, his regime is taxing as Kenyans. Mm-hmm. So on this whole issue of the whole cost of living, I think it will be very important for Kenyans to give the head of state time. Uh, but uh, even at the same time, uh, Kenyans, we Kenyans can sometimes get to be very impatient. Uh, Irene said that uh, he this was a very populist move to promise Kenyans that once he gets to be sworn in, mm-hmm. He will lower the cost of living, but I think this is one issue. Even the previous regimes, his predecessor, uh, Uhuru Kenyatta, uh, tried to lower the cost of living, albeit through the subsidization of uh, these commodities. Which, when he came into office, mm-hmm. President William Ruto said, "This, this, the subsidy program was 
was was expensive in itself mm-hmm. because he, he really saw no need for for him to continue with that program so that is why he's really hellbent on doing some of the things like lowering cost of living but i think one year has passed will pass on wednesday uh, all eyes will still be on him to ensure that uh, the prices of uh, of this basic commodities really go down because it cannot be the same issue here number two that the skyrocketing cost of living is still an issue uh, that needs to be addressed but fortunately for the country the opposition has uh, since acknowledged that he is the president of the republic and citing the ongoing bipartisan talks between Kenya Kwanza and Azimio <laughs> the whole issue of the cost of living is part of the agenda so we are hoping that uh, uh, some substantial resolutions will be made out of that discussion key among them ensuring that the prices of basic commodities get to lower uh, and come down Irene is itching. And, I, I, no, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say I wanted to say something in a minute before we close um, this part of the discussion is that even with the bumper high harvest mm. the dicey issue is that the time when uh, prices of commodities skyrocket is when there's a shortage mm-hmm. we might have the bumper harvest say between october and december mm-hmm. and we'll have um, f- uh, the the cost of food lower but what happens when there is a crisis in terms of either due to um, ex- external factors that affect production including the availability of rain we might have say god forbid a shortage say in january to say um um this to say may depending on the weather patterns if the storage um strategies and facilities are not quite equipped to um store the bumper harvest that we're having right now then it's all futile because the 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 happy season will be for a short time before then we find ourselves back to the same state because of conditions that we cannot um do anything about due to weather patterns or something that we cannot control the external mm-hmm. factors we cannot control so we might be rejoicing that we'll be having a bumper harvest courtesy of the subsidized fertilizer but um or unto us if we don't have <laughs> um, proper strategies in terms of storage in my business education um in secondary school we used to be told there were factors to production and one of them was material another was labor and the other was overhead costs mm-hmm. one of the things that you have all mentioned is we are going to have we're going to have bumper harvests people in Nairobi i i don't know i don't have um the i don't have a place where i can grow some maize and stuff so you'll have all of this maize in Eldoret in all those areas Transmara Bungoma everywhere everywhere else yes stored in stored in people's whatever in people's homesteads but that product has to leave those homes to be taken to the millers so that the millers can you have to use a car a car that has to use fuel the factories depend on fuel which brings us to the topic that I didn't tried to sneak in the issue of taxation mm-hmm. is it that the president can't help but keep shooting himself on the foot in 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 a bid to make his plans work i think the whole issue of taxation is a very controversial topic in itself because really we are all pained by president william bruce's endeavors to tax us to tax us so that his administration can get money and resources to finance some of these projects he keeps on talking about every day i didn't spoke about the now uh, being enforced finance act which mm-hmm. uh, which which listed some of this taxation and uh, and uh, the salient one is the housing tax this the housing levy and now recently his administration has elicited another discussion that will see Kenyans being subjected to a 2.75 tax to so that they can so that we can be able to access affordable and quality healthcare but i'm sure we'll get to the healthcare uh, story you forgot but also nssf and nssf mm. but on the whole issue of taxation um, i will now speak for i'll now speak for a supporter and uh, 
and and someone who is in the opposition for a supporter i think and uh, we have so many supporters of ECA in this office mm-hmm. and we've en- encountered them and had discussions with them they will tell you that the president really needs money so that his government can function and he- he can only get this money from taxing us Kenyans because taxing is one of the source of uh, is one of the sources for revenue for any government to really perform its mandate so that is the supporter and now the other Kenyan will tell you that the president is ha- is not really having his priorities right because he came into office on a platform on of of empowering Kenyans empowering the hustlers yeah. of bringing down the cost of living but conversely we are seeing a president who seems to be giving a blind eye on all those things that he promised <coughs> including the populist one that Irene has talked about lowering the cost of living bringing down the price of maize flour down but now here we are seeing him taxing us so it's a mixed bag just like i mentioned earlier in my introduction so we wait to see if some of these things that is taxing us will really get to yield fruits you've talked about this endlessly laban you've said if at all the president is taking our money for houses and at the end of his tenure we don't get to see these houses then i think that will be a very big problem problem for his administration mm-hmm. Irene, you, you started this conversation yeah um i started it from a point of uh, we thought uh, the hustler president will come and lower the cost of living, but lo and behold, he will slap us with um, a raft of taxes, um, which he says that uh, are aimed at increasing the GDP from 14 to 16 percent. But now, um, I think the issue of increasing taxes or the issue of dealing with liquidity and, of course, the financial crisis that the government was facing. Um, when they got into office, you remember they had, you know, cried out loud that the previous regime had um, looted the remains that, you know, were there at at, uh, at the public coffers. Now, leaving President William Ruto's administration uh, struggling in terms of um, um, finances to um, uh, pay the recurrent expenditure as well as the development agenda mm-hmm. in terms of the MDAs. But sorry, continue, continue. <laughs> but um, they had said that you know us removing the fuel subsidy would um, ensure that we 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 collect nine nine point four billion shillings. And now what what we are seeing as a country is that the issue of raising taxes, even though um, President William Ruto is saying that previous regime, like the former Moi Kibaki's regime, had you know pegged the um, administration policy on increase of taxes in this particular scenario it's quite different given that he had um, um, inherited a government which had accumulated a lot of debt and was facing a financial crisis he was hell-bent to increase the taxes there was no other way and uh, confronted with the confronted with the reality in terms of ensuring survival of um, the national government as well as the devolved units let me tell you Laban, why the reason why the president is performing poorly in this talk it is because for a very long time in kenya's history we get to pay taxes but we never get to see results that has been the biggest uh, 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 the biggest shortcoming of any regime that comes into power so for President William Ruto, it is a big blow for him because the Treasury Cabinet Secretary in Jugunandungu, who is supposed to be really very vocal about this whole taxation issue and speaking and telling Kenyans why the government needs taxes, is not doing so. Mm-hmm. And this has been backed by a recent survey, which was done by, was it TIFA or? It was TIFA. That uh, polled him as being as the worst performing cabinet secretary. So when you have a worst performing cabinet secretary, it becomes very difficult for the boss because we keep on seeing the boss uh, being very vocal about what his administration is doing but we are not seeing the person mandated to do that job being very conspicuous and intentional and vocal about it and this adds salt to the injury when the president himself said that he knows too much information yet the person the people whom he's given the duty and responsibility to undertake some of these functions and advise him on how some of these things can be done and not doing the same. But isn't that a situation whereby your uh, um, people who like a place will tell you he's 
setting himself up to fall on his own sword in that he's the one who appointed those CSs. You and know, he said, I have full confidence in this person, this person. Mind you, the person, the Njuguna Ndungu, yes, is the one who informed the, was in the think tank that came up with the economic strategy for President William Ruto together with like, David Ndee and the, the current central bank governor. So, you know, you can't either, the, the issue is the boss the boss keeps changing his mind or the person who was given the job does not want to speak and then he sounds like he's speaking he's making a point that the boss never made it could be it could be it could be again it either the president is very i don't want to say he's micromanaging the the, the his his cabinet secretaries but Either the cabinet secretaries do not really get to tell him the truth on what is happening on the ground, because even this housing levy, you remember the other day I was doing a poll uh, on on if, if 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 people in the office know who the cabinet secretary for housing <laughs> is, and uh, it was a surprise that many of those whom I asked the question they really don't know that Mr. Zakarin Jeru is the cabinet secretary for housing, and to date. We haven't really seen this uh, Mr. Zakarin Jeru tell us how this housing, the construction of these affordable houses are going to benefit us. Mm -hmm. We're only seeing the principal secretary, Charles Hinger, who sometimes get to be very animated and getting his facts wrong. Mm, okay. So I think here it's, it's, it's the, the whole issue of taxation. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's the doing of the president himself. It's not, the messaging is not coming out correctly. It is coming out as uh, something else because really he promised Kenyans he will lower the cost of living. But if you remember during the, the there's a time he had an, an interview with media representatives at State House Nairobi and one of, the, one of our colleagues, um, I believe was from Citizen, asked him about the housing levy and he say and there was a, a back and forth and at the end of it all the president said i am the president and my job is to impose taxes on on the people and the people to pay but even on that note i will say that the advisors also they're not they don't quite get either their strategies are not correct or they don't understand the actualization of um, such strategies we will point out the issue of um the dollar shortage and um, the economist David D had um, given the advice of uh, government to government deal in terms of the importation of, um, of of oil. And the president that week, I remember, he he told people, "Wiki jayo, do mambo mufija madola muzitoe manake kutakuwa watakuwa metatua." But lo and behold, today's the eleventh of September. They still dollar shortage despite mm. the government to government deal in terms of importation of oil mm. so i think the advisors do not understand the actualization of some of these strategies or they are getting it wrong from the onset mm -hmm. okay um <laughs> we could continue with this for for on and on the other thing but, that but I the think president but i think uh, the net value of this discussion is that the president it is it is an opportune time for the president to do a reshuffle in his cabinet because Going by that again, the poll that was done by TIFA, it ranked Interior Cabinet Secretary Professor Kithuri Kindiki as the best-ranked Cabinet Secretary. I think that's a docket that uh, Brewer and Macong will talk about. But until the reshuffle happens, there will be confusion, there will be failures, uh, significant ones for that matter. And I think it is high time the President gets to, gets to do a reshuffle because Sunday to Sunday, we keep on seeing the president on national television. We are not seeing the people who are really mandated to do the real job speak to Kenyans. The Zakarayan Jeros of this world, the Susan Nakomincha's of this world. She's not very vocal about the 2.7% tax that we are going to be taxed on health. These are some of the issues that these cabinet secretaries need to talk about. <laughs> Okay, I sense the fashion <laughs> in your in your voice, but I th when you drew um, when you drew comparisons between uh, former President Kibaki and the current President Ruto, one of the things that President Kibaki had in 
in his in his corner was the fact that he chose people who knew what he wanted people who knew how to go and get it from John Michuki to um, Muraria to Kiraito Murungi to all of those people he knew they knew what they wanted they were invested in the dream right now unfortunately like you're saying when you come to this to this issue you get the cs health for instance to sit down with you and tell you about the need, the amendments to the health um to the nhif bill or act she will probably not be as enthusiastic as the president is right to the extent that you'd actually feel like it's they are they are not part of the same government or she she wasn't present when the the situation was being made we move on to the next conversation which is still in regards to um how to to improve the cost of living which is job creation hustler nation that was what it was all about creating job opportunities because at that time we had covid taking away people's jobs people's businesses some folks were forced to go and live um in in the rural areas and stuff like that how are we faring in in regards to that during the campa- the campaigns the president was very vocal with the slogan bottom up economic model and this was about investing the limited capital available where it will create the most jobs at the bottom of the pyramid so it meant that uh, he, he committed to invest 500 billion shillings over the next 5 years in smallholder agriculture and the informal sector so i think what, at the time he said what will it will take to create jobs for the millions of the unemployed youths in the country will be the prioritization sequencing and financing but i think to date the president is trying to use the things like the housing levy the construction of the affordable houses to create these jobs because he said it is we the formally employed people who will have to empower this uh, unemployed uh, kenyans mm-hmm. and that can only be done through taxation which is leading to the housing levy that will see the construction of houses uh the 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 the, the now now the, the whole issue of the 2.7 uh, 2.75% tax on uh, universal healthcare he says this one will lead to the employment of uh, community volunteers in mm-hmm. different counties but even as he's pushing for those jobs it is unfortunate uh for lack of a better word that the governor say they haven't been consulted they were not consulted on that program so in terms of creating jobs in the economy the president is still struggling on this front he's not really doing much because uh, there are a lot of prevailing economic uh, situations that are making him that are making him not really perform better on this one but i think uh, i don't want to say we're given time we will have to see those houses start to be constructed and uh, and and see how many people get to be employed in this sector and the many other sectors he's 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 determined to push and create jobs in mm-hmm. I, th- i think on this one i'll say it the way it is president william ruto has failed terribly in terms of um job creation during the campaign period um what we fail as the electorate is to ask the type of jobs you know they used to say UDA kazi ni kazi but we did not question which kazi are we talking about here that the president is talking about creation of job mainly in the informal sector despite the finances that have been put in place to promote education in our learning institution and the number of graduates that are being churned out um each um academic uh, academic calendar it is quite unfortunate that the only thing that the Kenya Kwanza regime can hold on to is jobs is um housing jobs that is what we call the mjengo sector mm. which yeah. is the informal sector what about the graduate what about the doctors the teachers but the Irene, you've had him um, you've had the president outside there when he goes to public rallies the roadside l- rallies he would actually make that statement of niliaidi nitawaletea kazi na mko tayari mkotari kufanya kazi kazi yoyote kazi ni kazi you know and i actually think that's the reason why his cabinet doesn't know what, what? the boss is doing because 
they didn't know what they were saying just like Kenyans they don't know what they signed on to yeah it's, they're it's, just that, being surprised when we are saying kazi nikazi during the campaign period yeah. we, we did not quite understand what kazi nikazi meant mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and even when they were they were you know creating jokes that you know we will be donated wheelbarrows this is the time the jengo's job that about to come Ndezo those wheelbarrows we will carry whether we like it or not whether you are a graduate or not but i think given that ania into power the affordable housing jobs are not yet here it is unfortunate to say that the kenya kwanza regime has failed on this, this. this as you make your point one, you can make the point and as you take us into the break this one i agree in it completely and its entirety with irene because the creation of job has become a nightmare for president william ruto's regime because when you hear the the deputy president regarding a shagwa tell graduates hakuna kazi by the way hakuna kazi it should worry us as a nation because this is what the deputy president said during a graduation ceremony I, i'm not sure of which at uh, which university it was but that statement in itself yeah. should worry that young lady and gentleman who are in school studying as you ponder on that thought laban on the creation of jobs and whether the government will provide wheelbarrows and other tools to create these jobs we are taking a quick short commercial break this is global digest and welcome back to global digest with myself labanon ambisi davis ayega and we are joined by brian makong who is uh, our expert uh, our reporter um in regards to crime and also foreign foreign affairs uh davis on this con- next conversation we are looking at transparency and accountability it's one thing that it's towards that if you mentioned it during the campaign the name of william ruto did not appear in fact during uh, the launch of his manifesto which he calls the plan media houses um were were, were called out for um f- uh, inaccurately reporting that he never mentioned how he will fight graft right so in this context how has he performed in regards to first transparency and accountability you know the president he's even during the campaigns just like you've correctly mentioned he was really never vocal about uh graft i remember there's a day we wrote a story me was me and irene yeah. of his regime not talking about how he will get to fight graft that is manifesto never really got to capture that but we were corrected by our editorial director mr bandan mamani who told us that indeed the uda manifesto talks about not weaponizing the the the, the war on uh, the weaponizing or using the criminal justice system mm-hmm. to fight his opponent so i think to date uh the president has appears not to be very keen on this subject he has his own priorities uh, he has his own priorities that he is set to, to achieve but on matters governance and transparency i think there needs to be a lot to be done on that discussion because it comes at a time when the president publicly can issue what can be best described as threats that it either as journalists we are usually we are usually faulted for reading in between the lines but we are never given credit when we are actually reading the true line you just mentioned he said in his in his plan we will not weaponize criminal justice systems against uh, in the war against corruption or anything else but recently there is a famous um a famous phrase mambo ni matatu i mean is he going again has he realized the going uh, mambo kwa ground ni different i think bron will tell you bron being our 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 our, our security reporter he will tell you that when someone tells you utenda binguni that's a different discussion bruan your thoughts please <laughs> um i think uh, uh the president's um remarks on how he would uh he would deal with uh, the corrupt cartels uh, where he gave them like uh, three options uh, saying if i find you engaging in graft you have three choices it's either you go abroad 
you go to jail or go to heaven this going to heaven part is what is um somehow worrying to people because um some uh, human rights uh, groups have uh, expressed concern that it could uh, encourage um uh, arbitrarily arrest it could encourage um Mm, detention without uh, uh, without following a proper proper justice system. So, according to me, I think uh, it's worrying. Yeah, Irene. I I think this regime has appeared a bit notorious in terms of castigating the media in their watchdog role in terms of calling out corruption. Mm -hmm. You will remember when we had the scandal that was highlighted by Nation Media Group on the edible oils. Then we had the Trade Cabinet Secretary Moses Kuria come out to attack the media mm -hmm. and even threaten to uh, punish some of these media houses. And the president went on to encourage the sentiments that were made by the Trade Cabinet Secretary. By that alone is to show that the war against corruption in this country is not being taken seriously when the members of the cabinet, as well as the president himself, can attack um, institutions that are playing their role in terms of their watchdog roles in terms of calling out corruption. That scandal alone, regardless of whether it was a mega scandal or, or not, is a clear indication that this regime is not quite serious in the war against craft. Okay. One of the things that or one of the institutions that have that everyone was looking at in regards to how they will play their role under President William Ruto's um administration is the National Police Service. Um under uh, the former president, uh, both the deputy the current deputy and and Mr. Ruto himself complained that the president the provincial administration was being used and on the first day or uh, when he when the president took oath of office he made a, a promise that he is going to move um the the function of uh, what do you call it the function of uh, the person who holds the money in a ministry or the the equivalent of the principal secretary from the accounting officer, that's the word I'm trying to look for, the accounting officer from the the Ministry of Interior and give it to the IG. That happened. Only for a few months later, we had a new a new position being being introduced. Bruan, this is your cup of tea. <laughs> How has that has that helped? Has has moving um the the um, the accounting uh, the accounting officer uh, position from Ministry of Interior into the National Police Service helped in any way. Um, I think um, the move is yet to yield fruits, but um, according to Ruto, you know, during the electioneering period, we heard over and over again that uh, the police were being weaponized against uh, to silence maybe government crit uh, government critics, if you may. Mm -hmm. So, uh, according to Ruto, yeah, um, this move was uh, aimed at uh, making police uh, independent. So, uh, when they have their own budget, they they can do their their own things things without uh, any any influence. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we've heard of this expression: "He who pays the paper calls the tu uh, calls Call the, the tune." tune yes. So, um, I think. Um, we we will be looking to see uh, what this move, uh, um, wha uh, what impact the move has uh, on the police. But uh, for now, there there is sorry, Irene. No, I wanted to say this is one of the promises that we should um, clap for President William Ruto's administration mm -hmm. because it is it is something they said uh, during the campaign period, mm -hmm. and they've gone ahead to implement it. Mm -hmm. I think if uh, that can be the an indication, promise, the promise was. I will remove it from interior and, and give it to IG. Mm -hmm. IG is the head of, ideally, even when it comes to PAC, the person who is called Accounting. before PAC mm -hmm. to account is the IG. But now you, s you bypass the IG and brought in an, a civilian, mm -hmm. no offense to the, to the lady who is holding the seat, a civilian to handle the, the... And even there was a court ruling 
in regards to that appointment which kind of say pointed out that it may not have met the constitutional provisions but um uh, Bruhan, mm. maybe on the issue Irene seems to say the the government is doing well in 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 terms of police reforms what's what other reform what other police reforms do you feel that you have you have be we can actually give them flowers for okay uh in december last year mm. uh, the president appointed the national task force on police and prison uh, reforms which is uh, chaired by chief justice uh former former cj mm. uh david maraga to look into the welfare of the police and as we are speaking the the task force is set to um issue its its findings uh, to to present its finding to the president so uh, which uh, hopefully it, it it will be done in the coming months so um police are hoping that uh, through this um this uh, this committee uh, their um, issues will be addressed mm -hmm. so we'll be looking to we can't know for sure what the police want uh, at the moment until we we hear from from the the findings from the maraga task force mm. i think it's it's you uh, this whole thing of always having task forces really doesn't sit well with uh, with the likes of me because if you went for instance there was a gentleman called Ransley he did a report and it was it said it proposed certain reforms into the national police service those reforms have never been put into 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 works if you even go back to kibaki days moi days there are still the reforms that were never done but speaking of promises 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 whenever you mention william ruto and sports one subject comes up the subject of stadia and davis um had a conversation with our brother um uh, onyata on how he finds the william ruto administration how have they delivered davis well thank you davis uh indeed sports was a key part of the kenya kwanza manifesto some of the promises uh, that the president made when we, when he was launching his manifesto uh, in june last year uh, he spoke of the need to review the sports fund kitty and to make it exclusively for sports and to buildings uh, sports infrastructure as opposed to presently where uh, the, the the sports fund has been used for other activities such as health uh, he also spoke of the need to review the sports act and also to introduce tax incentives to encourage uh, corporate bodies to invest in sports and he also talked about uh, the need to return Kenya back to international football remember that time uh, Kenya had been suspended by uh, the world football governing body FIFA uh, due to interference from the government after the then sports cabinet secretary Amina Mohamed uh, disbanded the football Kenya federation so these are the promises that uh, the president made and uh, uh, on paper it looks uh, easier said than done and all eyes has been on the government to see how they go about it and if they will be able to fulfill these promises uh, that they made when they were launching their manifesto something else that i feel i must mention uh, is that kenya's bid to to host the uh, afcon the africa cup of nations uh, in 2027 and what this immediately brings into perspective is are we ready to host a tournament of such magnitude do we have the facilities uh, to host a tournament of such magnitude remember in 1996 uh, kenya was uh, chosen to host the, the, the that edition of, uh, of the tournament, but uh, the tournament was later, the hosting rights were later given to South Africa due to lack of uh, facilities on our side. And the same thing happened in 2018 when we were to host the African Nations Championships, but uh, eventually the tournament was given to, to Morocco. Uh, the hosting rights were given to Morocco due to lack of, lack of preparedness on our side. And so uh, 
This time around, uh, the Kenya Kwanza government uh, has uh, designated Kasarani Stadium, the Moi International Sports Center, uh, Nyayo Stadium, uh, the Kipchoge Keno Stadium in Eldoret as uh, the three venues that uh, will will stage some of the matches, if at all Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania are chosen to, to co-host uh, the AFCON in 2027. But uh, many Kenyans will be forgiven for being skeptical, uh, considering our history, considering these past disappointments, and also the caliber of the countries that we are bidding against, that we are competing against, uh, the likes of Egypt, who have, who have uh, the best... Uh, stadiums in, in Africa, uh, Algeria, uh, Senegal, uh, Botswana, Nigeria. So it will be interesting to see if uh, the government will really, will really follow in its promise to, to improve the, 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 the current stadiums that we have to world-class standards so that we'll be able uh, to, to host AFCON in 2027. And on that note, it's where we actually just have to call it um, a day. Um, Sandra and Wanjira are standing by and waiting for me to finish up. I want to say a big thank you to Irene, Bruhan and Davis. And of course, our producer Noreen for seeing us through on this show. But next week, we'll continue with this conversation. Thank you for tuning in. Good night.